Welcome to an all new episode of What the Tech Just Happened. As of this recording, April 7th, 2020, there are over 1.3 million cases of COVID-19 across the globe, with over 200 countries affected and 42 states in America that have issued stay-at-home orders. People are asking the question, is there going to be a point of COVID-19 that marks the digital transformation? What does your company look like before and after COVID-19? Today on What the Tech Just Happened, we're exploring all of this and more with Rob McIntosh and me, your host, Penny Conway. That's right. Another day in paradise um, with all of us at home with our uh, significant others or our children or our family um, wanted to, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, COVID-19 and the effects. Uh, we've talked about business resiliency. We've talked about um, really a, a plethora of, of topics and how uh, technology is really changing I think the way that we handle the the pandemic today versus how maybe we've handled things previously, um, be it a health or another type of crisis. But on today's episode, I I think we have a couple of interesting topics specifically around digital transformation and what companies, you know, how COVID-19 will be a, there will be a before and after. And those pictures are going to look very different for companies in terms of digital transformation because of everything that this is affecting from tech industries stepping into medical manufacturing to different generations being more tech savvy than they ever have before, all the way down to, you know, what does year two, one, two, and three after, you know, these shelter in place warnings uh, sort of subside. So we have a lot to talk about today, Rob. Yeah, we do. It is interesting because our own company here to the, the transformation that we've gone through from, you know, as we always talked about the telecommuting and the remote workforce and even how we're getting our food these days. You know, here we are at home and they're changing now food delivery service. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just ordered a pizza over the weekend and it's, do you want low touch, no touch, or we can do it the traditional way. So no, we'll we'll do low touch, no touch. Tell me how it works. Cause I, you know, I hadn't ordered food that way before. And so they went through and explained you know, that uh, we just call you and we'll leave it out front and we use gloves and da, da, da. And so it was really interesting. Um, and so I grabbed the box of pizza and I had my plate and I put it onto the plate and I threw the box away in my trash out in my garage. I brought it inside and then I had it put it into the oven and baked it for, for you know, 50, or heat it up for about 15 minutes and then it's COVID free. But it's <laughs> It's just weird. You know, that's on the food side of things. Uh, you know, the telecommuting, what we're doing with our podcast here, that transformation, mm-hmm. um, people doing their virtual events, you know, how they're how they're dealing with uh, cloud right now and the securities. It's um, it's pretty interesting. I've been trying to keep sort of a, a digital diary for myself, not really for myself, even, although I've seen lots of people on Facebook that have 
posted, um, you know, just so I remember. And it's a list of everything that's sort of going on that is dramatically different than maybe a month and a half ago. So, you know, gas is $1.99 or $1.89 in some places up here. Um, Schools have been closed for X number of weeks and, you know, a list of all these things so that every year from here on out, Facebook will remind them that you had a memory on this day and here's what was going on. So I I think that's kind of neat. And I took that that same approach. And every Thursday, I sit down for maybe 10 minutes. I shouldn't say sit down. I like go park somewhere so I can have like a break from the house and um, record like a five minute video for my daughter who's three years old. So she's not going to remember any of this. So like I just kind of do a quick video like here's what's going on and everything is so weird. And here's how mommy's work has changed. Here's how dad's work has changed. And so, you know, everyone kind of wants to document this and you know, thanks to technology, we have so many different avenues to do so now that we didn't have before. It's a great idea because memories do fade and you you kind of forget all those little things that you went through. And then all of a sudden you're right. You read your own diary, your own stories, and you it brings you right back. And you go, oh, my gosh, I completely forgot I had to do that. How strange. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a great idea. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, uh, we won't we won't always remember how things were before COVID-19, but we certainly will uh, start to adapt to what they're like afterwards. And is kind of, uh, you know, I've been doing a, obviously a lot of reading and I know Rob you do um, an exorbitant amount of reading around what's going on, but there was um, an executive brief that McKinsey and Company had put out and they had talked about Uh, Really, the five horizons that not only businesses, because I kind of take this as something that us personally should also, you know, have in the back of our minds as we're navigating through this. But I, you know, I just want to mention them again. It's from McKinsey and Company and says companies need to think and act across five horizons, which are resolve, resilience, return, reimagine and reform. And I kind of, in a playful way, would say that this is akin to like, what is it, the, the five stages of grief or the 12 steps of recovery. So this is sort of like the five stages of five horizons of COVID-19. And, you know, that first stage resolve is getting employees and customers and business partners sort of all set up for what they need, um, which is what we've been going through for the last you know month or so. Uh, and resilience, of course, addressing near-term cash management and challenges that are affecting you broadly because of of the virus. And then return is, you know, pretty self-explanatory. But you know, what's what's the comeback plan? You know, companies that have thousands of employees working remotely right now, I don't think thousands of employees are going to waltz right back into the office like with the the flip of a switch. You know, what does a return look like? How do we scale that? We talked about that with our um, TIDC friends. And then four and five is really what I'm looking forward to, which might not be for like a couple of years, but it's what I'm looking forward to and what, you know, kind of we'll talk about today is the reimagine stage. So what does the next normal look like? Um, We've been saying new normal, but I kind of like the phrase of next normal um, because this is what we do. We evolve as a society. So what does the next normal look like? You know, what does uh, that this discontinuous shift in the way that we do business look like? And what sort of implications do we have from that shift that we 
you know, maybe never thought of before because we've done things so hastily to get to where we are today. And then finally reform, which is there are a lot of laws that are going to change after this. And there is a lot of new competition that is going to pop up as a result of this. And so, you know, in that last stage of reform is the landscape has changed. So we need to now, once the dust settles, reevaluate this landscape and see what our new competition is and how we, again, have to adapt our business to any sort of regulatory changes that have come along the way. So that was kind of my nugget find and what I've been kind of keeping in the back of my head in every conversation about my work, about my life or anything like that when it when it relates to COVID-19. It just kind of shows me that there's a there's a next step after this step. And it's not necessarily a negative step. There's a lot of positive that's coming from this. At the beginning of the year, I think digital transformation, that was the buzz phrase. That's the buzz of the buzzwords. And probably every company or at least high tech company across the country, we're talking about digital transformation. And what does that look like for our company in 2020 and had their roadmap. And they laid that out to their sales force. They laid it out to their marketing departments. They laid it out to their operation departments and everybody was on board and getting excited about that. And then all of a sudden this hits and digital transformation, whatever that looked like, got completely transformed into something else. And it's like, now what does our digital transformation look like? And I think they're coming out of this, you know, again, we always talk about uh, innovation is born from adversity. And so that adversity happened and people are figuring out new ways to do business What I like about that five step is not only do we get beyond that resolve part, because every, I think everybody right now, if you look at those five stages, what percentage of the population is still in resolve? I mean, I think they're all still trying to figure that out. Totally. Totally. I mean, there's people like that are set up um, in their bathrooms with their computers and, or at the kitchen table with their entire family. We're definitely exactly. still in resolve. <laughs> yeah. And and so I like the idea that this five step, it starts getting you to think beyond that. It's like, what does it look like when you come back? You know, what does the acclimating back into the workforce in the, the, the post COVID-19? You know, we always talked about post 9-11, um, you know, airports have changed, have been transformed and changed indefinitely now. They, I mean, they're, right. that's just the way things are. People don't even remember, you know, prior to 9-11, travel was so easy. I mean, you popped in five minutes before your plane was taking off and zoom, you know, you'd be running, you know, you'd be OJ running through the airport and just popping onto the, uh, you know, through the, the gateway that just doesn't happen. Now there's so many steps that, that go on. And I think post COVID-19, there's going to be a lot of that happening too. And then also, as we go through those five steps, think about the security right oh, now yeah. and, and the challenge that everybody is facing with security, with the phishing attacks, and people are using, of course, the the bad guys are using COVID-19 to their advantage. And unsuspecting people are like, oh my gosh, what is it? Because everything is so new to them, they're holding on to that. So it's kind of crazy, but I love these five steps. Yeah, it's um, it it will help you stay sane. I think having sort of a, a guidepost of what is happening next, or how to categorize what's happening now. Um, at least that that's uh, kept my sanity. And you, you know, you mentioned um, 9-11, which looking at this from a, a generational perspective, I would be classified as a millennial. We've talked a lot about different generations and. 
even in the news, there's been a lot of talk about how uh, the memes around this have been phenomenal. You know how I love a good meme. But it's like spring breakers were out there on on beaches and everyone was all up in arms. And then you have the Gen Zers, the young folks. And then there's the the bo- the more boomers, and, or like late um, boomers, like my, my in-laws. Both ends of the spectrum, when it, this first started, I think they both thought they were incredibly untouchable from a, a generational perspective. You know, oh, I've I've lived through everything. This is no big deal. And then your your Gen Zers that have lived through nothing, essentially. And then the the millennials. I, I think we're catching a lot of garbage from people thinking that they were the ones that weren't paying attention. But as a millennial, I you know we've seen nine eleven. Uh, we saw the uh, the recession. That started in 2008, around there. And now we are experiencing a COVID pandemic. And obviously the world has never seen something like this before. But it's making a lot of millennials really like perk up and figure out, okay, I'm in my 30s, mid 30s. What do I want the rest of my life to look like? What does security and safety look like? I have a family I need to protect. And so this is sort of, I think, going to be a defining moment for millennials because they are going to likely pave part of that new way in that, you know, that whole reimagination and reform. Um, Let me tell you, millennials are not going back to the office. I'll tell you that we've been we've been pushing for this. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's going to be, you know, that's going to be a huge mark on, um, you know, if you look at COVID-19, that that's going to be a huge mark on, on what defines it, too, yeah. is how people moving forward, they're going to be defining their their whole work style. Right. Uh, you know, and they, they talk about the Gen Xers that this is, you know, they're planning their swan song right now. It's like, all right, I see everything that can happen and has happened. Um, what how is this going to define me and what am I going to do for the next 15, 20 years, um, that's going to, you know, as I start to finish my work career, what is it now based on everything that I just went through that I'm going to, that that's important to me that I'm going to push forward with, you know, and for the, for the boomers, when, when they look at this, this kind of forced the boomers to really grasp onto technology. And because I think everybody realizes now Technology is what is helping us get through this, Right. you know, from AI, when they're, they're looking and they're using AI in much different ways to be able to track the virus and to really kind of focus in on parts of the population that needs, um, needs testing and help us to really subside what's going on here and try to mitigate any of the, any, you know, try to mitigate this, um, this virus overall. So AI is working toward that. I think with all the telecommuting and all of the uh, resources at our fingertips that the boomers are finally, you know, some of the older boomers are finally going, all right, show me. Right, right. You know, <laughs> an interest, I've got, a, I, I've got a stat me. for you. I've got a stat for you. So okay. in, um, you'll like this, and it goes right along with what you're saying. Um, a Pew Research uh, done in 2019 found that 68% of baby boomers owned a smartphone and 52% own tablets. So what would be interesting to see in terms of a before and after COVID is what the adoption of technology amongst the, the boomer generation is as a result of COVID. Um, yeah, just from being able to do anything like my car needs or my license needs to be renewed and my car needs to be registered this month. I got to figure out a way to do it online. I've never done either of those things online and I'm a millennial. So imagine, you know, how this is going to 
how the boomers are going to have to do all these normal routine tasks now digitally. It's it's going to be uh, it's going to be it's a positive. I think we've been trying to get you know I've been trying to get people on technology forever. And a very small um, uh, way of defining it, but. I remember the very first, I used to take my checks, you know, back in the day when you'd get checks. I used to get my checks. I would sign them. I would go into the bank and I would make my deposit. And then somebody said, why are you doing it that way? You know, you can do, uh, you can, you can deposit your check uh, electronically. I go, well, but but I have to sign it and stuff. They said, yeah. And here's the app. And so I downloaded the app and then you take a picture of it and, you know, you write the stuff on the back so that it it kind of voids it out saying you've done this digitally, you know, you you know, the process. Mm The first time I did that is like, I'll never go back to a bank. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know the last time that I went back to a bank. I do all my banking online, including depositing my checks. And that was a digital transformation for me. And now, like you said, there's going to be all of these types of things now. How do you renew your license? Well, you're going to figure out how to do it online because you can take a picture. If they're asking for a new picture, you're going to be able to take a picture. Mm-hmm. You're going to be able to send it to them. They're going to do verifications now, and they'll, they'll have different ways for you to verify things. Technology will get us there, and it's that adoption rate that you're talking about. So there, it was already there. How many people were using it? Exactly. Wow. Exactly. That's this is that's the that's the after. Later. So yeah. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to watch that. I was mentioning to my my husband last night that the, and I think you mentioned this as well, is uh, everything like that we, we have so much access to so much information and so much news and real-time conversation. When we were on, when we did our first episode um, with Jamal around what was going on with COVID right before it was deemed a, a pandemic, we had talked about how, you know, people using open source information like Facebook, like public health records to aggregate where there was pockets of activity going on to potentially get out in front of a, an outbreak in a certain area. And, you know, for as long as I can remember that Facebook and Google and Instagram and, you know, back to MySpace, putting all of your personal information out online um, where you can be seen, your pictures, your where you are, what you're doing. There's a lot of people that always had like that big brother sense of like sense of fear around it. And now it is that information that we have been sharing that we continue to share that is a behavior that we've had forever and i think more and more people are using the platform because there's no other way to have contact with people that big brother-esque like viewpoint into what we are doing and saying is driving decisions from technology companies to make other decisions about how to use technology like restaurants do you think globally or just even in the united states Restaurants would have been able to react so quickly to build a a digital, like you were just saying, you could choose a low touch, no touch, or all touch delivery. I don't even know if that was an option. But do you think if if we didn't have all of these platforms of public information and big brother sort of oversight, that companies would have ever been able to react as quickly as they did to accommodate us as humans going through what we're going through? There's no way. So people went from fearing to embracing mm-hmm. overnight. And you're right. It, it's a matter of how quickly they reacted to things, too. And that does blow my mind from our company on just how I mean, people said, OK, we have to do this. Here's where we are. This is where we go. What is the quickest line to get us there? What is that shortest point? And boom, it exploded. And I'm 
truly amazed everywhere I look at, wow, so they already have this system in place? Cool. And then, and we're all using it now, that adoption rate that we talked about. Right. And I, I think the other thing is, you know, from a, a technology perspective or technology and manufacturing perspective is you're seeing what the uh, GM and the other car companies are doing, what even colleges are doing in terms of, I think you had mentioned, and you might be able to elaborate that on this, but WPI putting an open source code out there to manufacture ventilators. I mean, things that have been, and I believe and hope and and have faith that everything is being manufactured to the specifications it needs to be so it is safe and healthy to use. But something that was very uh, regulated and would happen in a finite amount of manufacturing plants is now spreading to other areas because of how quickly the technology is being, the information is being transferred and the technology is being set up at lightning speed. And so it goes back to your point where all of these things have sort of been right there underlying in all of our businesses. And it took a single event to sort of flip it around for us to take advantage of it. Yeah, it definitely accelerated the democratization of, of technology across the right. board. And yeah, that, so I just want to touch on that WPI again, because I thought this was phenomenal. Yeah, please do. So as we all know, there's a national shortage of ventilators out there, ventilators with this disease, because it is such a respiratory disease. It attacks, it attacks hard. And if you listen to anybody that has gotten it or been through it, they will tell you that this is unlike any other virus that they've had before. This is not the flu, folks. This is COVID-19. And this is the realization that it is taking lives because it's such a nasty virus and they need those ventilators. Those ventilators are medical devices that you just don't manufacture overnight. You can't snap your fingers and all of a sudden uh, increase production and have another. Yeah, you can't 3D print. You can't just 3D print them. <laughs> cannot 3D print them, although you can use 3D print technology to help develop these. And there are um, uh, there are very smart folks in, in these universities and medical facilities that are getting that done. And WPI being one of them. So WPI took the basic blueprint of the ventilators and they figured out a way to shortcut some of the things that you don't necessarily have to have in that that large scale device and they're speeding up the creation of low cost uh, ventilators and they're doing it with open source so that anybody can grab this and they can use that. They're not, they're not trying to patent it and make money off of this. They want to get this out as quick as possible. Their goal is to save lives. So I look at that and it's just, you know, hats off to them. That's amazing. Go WPI. I'm sure MIT is doing the mm -hmm. same thing. I'm sure that there's, um, uh, uh, this stuff is happening across the country and that's just what, you know, makes America fantastic. So yay. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's awesome. And I, I think we'll continue to cover more stories like this as they, they evolve. I, I think if anything right now, our biggest struggle, Rob, is picking these stories to cover um, because there's so many. But I think, you know, from here on out on what the tech just happened, what we are going to try to focus on is those five horizons uh, that companies need to, to keep uh, an eye on and sort of build their planning around. And we will certainly bring more and more stories that sort of aligned to that and really show that line of before and after COVID-19 as it relates to the digital transformation that everyone is in the thick of, whether or not they wanted to be, here you are. 
So if we covered a lot today, we talked about how generations are handling or perceiving and handling technology changes during this time, how WPI is creating open source code for ventilators. We talked about a lot of stuff today. So if you are if you are listening and you have uh, your own story about uh, di- how you are transforming digitally as a result of COVID-19 and you uh, just want to share it, you don't have to be on the podcast. We just want to share your stories. Email us at podcast at connection.com. And on whatever platform you are listening to us on, please like, share, and follow us. That gets our podcast out to more people. And also we'll make sure that you get the newest episodes as soon as they are available. Rob, thanks so much for joining today. Oh, you're welcome. Remember, we're apart together. Stay safe, everybody. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Bye, everybody. (laughs) 